Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me as always, I have Mr. Finder and Scott W. Say hello, guys. Hey. Okay, tall. I, li- I like how when we don't have a guest, I can do that absolutely perfectly. The moment we have a guest, I screw that up. Your brain is like, I don't know who to go first. <laughs> it always messes up because I'm like, mm. well, I, we got Scott and Finder, but then I'm supposed to be introducing another person. And it's like, for some reason, that one little bit screws me up every time. But, um, <laughs> so on tonight's episode, we are going to be asking the question, how do you make combat fun? Now, I actually asked this question on r slash uh, RPG and also on Twitter, and I got some answers, but one person by the name of JohnVac01 uh, was kind enough to kind of break down, in his opinion, three different philosophies when it comes to combat. I'm going to read these off to you guys right before we start, and we can kind of discuss this and maybe go from there. Uh, so the first one is combat can be cinematic. It can invoke actions like in a movie. Uh, his favorite example is the system Wushu, where players get bonuses on how descriptive they are. Uh, and fictional positioning also matters in that game. I took a quick look at it. It was pretty neat. Uh, combat can be tactical. It can involve a lot of granular decision making. Uh, his favorite example was GURPS, where combat is broken down second by second as opposed to the more kind of abstract you know, move, attack, like D&D. And the last one was uh, combat can be decisive. Generally focusing on a larger strategic decision rather than the minutia of how combat is accomplished. Combat is short. And his favorite example, which I know, Finder, you backed for Kickstarter because of Kickstarter addictions, uh, Into the Odd. And it has an ability to... Like, the ability to avoid and stay out of combat is important. Combat is war. So, would you would you say that the, these three statements are overall kind of, like, correct in the three major philosophies? Or would you ha- do you have any questions about that? Scott, I'll look to you to answer first. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, no, they're, they're opinions, which... There, there. If you, you want to get deep into the uh, philosophy of warfare and combat, uh, you, there's a recruiter probably nearby. Uh, <laughs> they, take, they take officers and they take enlisted. Whatever you think you want to do, and that's how you'll learn about philosophy uh, uh, in combat and war. But in a game, it's uh, no. I mean, I understand what what was said, but um, let's see, what was it? Cinematic, so tactical and decisive. Y- yeah, so combat is war. That's actually half the equation, and that may be that person and some people's personal uh, understanding of it. But combat is also sport, and that's how role playing games are written. It's either the encounters are combat is sport, and that's how groups play it, uh, or combat is war, where they're making tactical decisions. And you know, four E was more of a combat is war kind of game because it's, everyone had all these special abilities they had to do, and you had to count the squares, and you had to know exactly the positioning uh, of everything, and facing was important. And so there's, that's the one thing, um, you know, tactics are, it's just curious. Cause this is all very much to me. I, this reads as someone who plays with dolls at the table, you know, because of, 
of the tactical side, the combat is war. And, he even says on the tactical, tactical, he actually says yeah. combat as, as sport, and in the decisive, it's mm. combat as war. Hmm. Yeah. 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 No, no. T- tactics are very much a part of warfare, uh, as well as sports. It's more well, sports actually use strategy, but it's just being pedantic, I think. Um, but yeah, being decisive. I mean, I, I get that. I think that's where like Savage Worlds or Quick Encounter Combat would come into play if you really mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, but yeah, we can loop back around once you guys weigh in on this. I do want to talk about descriptions, giving you bonuses. That is, I'm going to say it. And if you don't like it, I don't care. It's shit tier advice. And we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you put a pin on that description for our bonuses for description um because i've got some thoughts on that as well but when when i heard those descriptions um my thought goes to at least in savage worlds for me that is typically cinematic and tactical um especially if you're using like scott said if you're playing at the table with dolls um i.e i i like to use miniatures or tokens on a battle map so that we can see the scene um, so I tend to play with dolls in combat. Um, and, and so when you're doing that, there is a tactical element like, oh, I can get over here and I can get behind cover. So I, I hear cinematic and tactical, and I never think of those as two separate things, but one that can play together. And perhaps the, the, the poster meant that these aren't necessarily three distinct forms of combat, but things that can be used. When I heard, deci- when I heard the decisive my immediate thought, uh, to your point, Scott, went to mass battle uh, in the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it did went to mine too. Yeah, <laughs> which to me, I understand because that one there, the players themselves, the characters can be in combat. They may not be. They may be directing yeah. the war. They may not be. Um, they can go in and help their side out by doing actions on the battlefield, etc. But there's not this granular you are here and you're surrounded by five guys and we're going to resolve that combat. No, it's it's done as one roll per side per round until one side wins or retreats. Um, now, I have a question on that because mm-hmm. that technically would be combat is war. And I think that's what he meant by the decisive. Is uh, yeah, combat I think is war. So, that, yeah. that, that, that you have these ones where this battle is to decide a thing. Who is going to win in this conflict and how does that uh, affect the story um, in that regard. So uh, the decisive, I don't see the decisive if we're talking about it in terms of like mass battles um, in Savage Worlds. I don't see that as tactical as much in the traditional sense. To Scott's point, it is tactical and there are bonuses applied for having uh, good defensive positions, for having mm-hmm. the superior numbers, for having a good plan. Um, if you tell the GM the the approach that you're wanting to take for that and and he and and it's a good idea the gm may award you a plus one or a plus two to your battle role um but tactics aren't uh as important in the mass battle rule as it is if you're on a tabletop playing with a battle map and you're looking at the positioning of characters in relation to one another so uh, that's kind of my take on that. But I do see cinematic and tactical not being necessarily mutually exclusive, but rather, depending mm-hmm. on the game, they can totally be combined. 
Yeah. Um. Sorry, Sam. I mean, we we're gonna. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting topic. Santa, go ahead, because yeah, your dogs are going nuts. I can hear it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, like, when I was reading these, um, the combat as cinematic, uh, I agree. Like, it can't. It doesn't have to be exclusive to the tactical. Uh, when I hear like combat as cinematic, I'm thinking kind of like almost how, uh, Scott runs a little bit of hit, like more geared towards his playstyle where yeah okay we have this map here but most of the time like we're not we don't really use tokens that much most of the time we're almost like it's more abstract discussion like when we're uh testing out uh task force raven um besides that large map to show okay this is in our general area everything was pretty much just theater of the mind and I think that's where the cinematic one kind of comes in where, yeah, okay, we were still being tactical. We were still having decisive decisions, but at the end of the day, like we didn't necessarily have to have those visual aids in order to succeed. And when I was actually looking at the Wushu system, uh, when, you know, with the bonuses on how to be descriptive, I, I, I did a quick glance at that game and I could see why in that game sense it would work because that game is meant to be, hyper over the top and you're supposed to essentially try and one up everyone when you're actually fighting like you're supposed to it's supposed to be crazy balls to the wall so i think in that respect it kind of makes sense well and i'm gonna say though even if you're using tokens or miniatures at the table that doesn't mean the the fight can't be cinematic because in one of my games uh i was a player in this one and one of my friends was gming and he presents this big monster, this undead creature that is um, confronting us. It's supposed to be big and scary, and it's it's big and scary, and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. But my brother-in-law says, you know what? I've got this dagger. I am going to run, and I'm going to jump and flip over this thing's head, land on its shoulder, and jam the dagger in its head. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much more cinematic than that, especially no, very when the yeah. dice supported that role <laughs> tremendously. And yeah. to this day, that GM still complains that his big baddie was killed in one shot by a guy with a dagger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, I think description belies, you know, the, the cinematic aspects of any of any combat if you really get into it because the more descriptive you are you're just flowing and even no matter what you cannot possibly account for everything that would be in mm-hmm. an actual room or a warehouse i mean you just have to rely on someone's someone's you know either movie knowledge or real life knowledge there's just so much shit that goes on you know that's why the yes and becomes kind of important it's like oh is there a crate nearby i can hide behind yeah okay uh and you know just so you know the bullets can go through that because not hollywood crates this is real world wood yeah and and you know and i think probably another like plus to cinematic and kind of what makes cinematic cinematic is the fact that like it's very it's it's quick so like you can have minis and all that stuff like you said but the actions in themselves they always have to have a little bit more of a quicker gameplay to keep people really engaged so it's like you know there's not like a ton of like you know little like, okay, what's his armor score? What's this? Everything has to be a little bit quicker in order to just kind of engage the people a little bit more so it can just go on to the next thing and next thing in a way that feels organic instead of, let's say, with tactical, where, you know, everything has to be thought out like chess. Right, yeah. Um, 
It's curious you said that about that because honestly, that's also a downside of cinematic desires because if you are taking, say, 30 seconds to a minute conservatively per combat action to go out of your way to describe this outrageous shit, you are now the ones bogging down the game. Yeah. You really are. You know, no one needs to hear your fucking how much you sly flourish and how it, how awesome it is and shit every time <laughs> for every goddamn round. You are literally slowing down the game by doing that. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. So if yeah. you guys were to, like, let's say you had to say, okay, this is how I think the best way to run cinematic. Of course, there's many ways, but if you sure. wanted to try and make it the most fun possible, what would your tips and tricks be to actually improve the overall player's enjoyment, I guess you could say? For me, it's it's coming down to what Scott said. I think it depends on the table. I have one group of players that really like the description. They don't care that the combat may take longer now because they really get into describing what their character is doing, what they're or how they're doing things. Uh, that to them is a lot of fun. With another group, it's more of a, I just want to kill this thing, so I'm going to hit it with my sword, and here's my attack roll, here's my damage, and great is the thing up or down, and yeah. that's that's sufficient for, <laughs> for another group that I play with. Um, and, and so I think you need to understand the group. Um, yeah. I'm going to pause there because I want to come back to that <laughs> wushu thing because to me that there's a whole other discussion for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, I would say the biggest mistake people make, and f- fuck my life, Finder, I think you said it. Yeah, it was you. Um, people have a tendency to go long, cool, dash description and then roll dice. Do not do that. Roll the damn dice first. Just when you when players are saying, when you ask what they want to do or players are saying what you want to do, don't go into your nonsensical cinema because then you're going to roll your shitty dice. And then it's like you said. It won't pan out or it will pan out. I always suggest, hey, what do you want to do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tap the guy. Okay, look, you know, and that's how I run the game for you guys. Is you guys roll the dice, play. okay, cool. Here's how it looks like or what does it look like? And then you can look at your dice roll and be like, oh, I got a couple of raises. So, you know, subconsciously, let's go crazy. Um, <laughs> or you're like, here's, here's what I want to have happen. It's like, okay, cool, because the dice obviously succeeded. Now we don't got to rewind time in our mind and be like, oh, that would have been cool. You know, um, so I, I think that's a, that's definitely a, one I would I would stay with. Yeah, and like I, I think like it is promoting, like that. I think that's. Um, I don't know. I might be guilty of doing that, where I kind of say what I want to do before, but I'm, because like I, you guys have played with me a while, Scott. We played more in a cinematic type sense. Well, with Noel, we played a little bit more in a tactical sense, right? In in a sense, like he, I'm not saying he's purely tactical. In both games, I always like to roll and then actually say what I do because mm-hmm. I always find that's some of the most fun you can possibly have. Like we're, and I don't know. I think I'm horrible for tactical because like literally we're in the middle of the fight and I looked at our uh, at our main fighter dude. He was like hand to hand combat at this point. And he's fighting and my guy just like looks at him and it's like, yeah, he's got the hang of it and he just literally lights a cigarette and walks away. Because that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a negative. I actually think that's a positive because 
99%. I was just watching this long. Well, as I was typing tonight, I was listening to a guy critique an actual play because the actual play was full of hubris and they declared themselves to be the bestest most ever. And it was fucking horrible. What a shocker. But the shit that people do is opposite of that, where most players would have said, oh, well, there must be something on the character sheet. There must be some rule that I can use to help him out. And I don't even like hearing that. Like if we're playing in a dungeon game, I don't want to have the players ask me, well, can I pick the lock? No, just fucking say you're going to do it. Even if you're the fighter, be like, I'm going to try to pry this door open. Just do it because you're playing the game. Now you're actually role-playing the game and you're trying to immerse yourself instead of worrying about what's on your character sheet. So I actually applaud if you were to do something like that because I think it's a, it's excellent. And you do have a habit of doing that. And, and to that, so does Finder. Finder does the same shit too. Um, he will act in accordance to how he's established his character and not what is on the character sheet. And I love that about both of you because it's a, it makes everything enjoyable because it's it's predictable but not really predictable. And you guys have gotten me out of just years of, of watching people do the worst possible fucking gaming, which is everything is just calculated on the sheet for you. Blush. <laughs> I know. I was just like, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, did he say he loves us? It's on record now. Aww. It's just, it's a really rare, really rare, really rare method of, of watching players play a game. I don't, and I can't remember, and we'll, we'll do actual play, but I don't recall playing the Mother May I game or the Nancy Drew game with you guys when we, when we adventure. You guys just approach the situation and tell me what you want to do. And then I will tell you, okay, cool, give me a notice roll. Okay, cool, give me a perception. Right, shit like that. And oh. I'm more responsive than the players being responsive, which is how it should be. You should always assume like everything is a yes until the dice have to come out or the GM says it's not going to fucking work. Yeah. And even like talking about it, I think cinematic in a sense might be the easiest to integrate into any kind of style of play. But I also think as long as you have the right group, it's probably the easiest to keep light and fun. And the reason why I'm saying that is because everyone kind of, if everyone's kind of on the same page where no, no one's ever completely a hundred percent the best and you got to show each other. Well, my character is better than yours. He's always going to do it. It's like, as long as everyone kind of accept the, accepts their characters for their values and faults and they kind of just play to it i think you'll always have one of the best cinematic games even if it's like a newer gm who hasn't really had the experience of like let's say you guys have i.e let's say me or (laughs) (laughs) and i i I think a lot of people could probably benefit and pro like going back to our actual last episode on uh how to gm i think it's probably the easiest for people to get started into i don't disagree yeah. Yeah. And, and tacking on to what Scott said, since we are broaching the topic of description. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, no, I completely agree. I completely agree with 100% of what you said about I have learned never to give my description until I roll the dice. And so I'm not familiar with this Wushu game, so I, I can't speak to how it's done there. But I do know that if I give this crazy over-the-top description, even if I have a plus 20 so I cannot fail, I will crit fail. (laughs) (laughs) Always. That's true. And so um, one thing that I really like, and this was like out out of Coriolis, one of the things they talk about in combat is roll the dice and let the player describe what they did. And the book even says player describes what their action looks like and the GM will just modify it based on, no, now you're going beyond that basic success that you got. 
Um, and, and so I, I really like that because in Coriolis, they, they say, roll the dice and then describe your action because you, you can say something based like, I'm going to shoot him. You roll your dice and you get a crit success. Hey, I shot him in the head and I did this really cool thing with the gun or whatever. But, but yeah, in, in Savage Worlds even, I just, I, I can't really describe what I want to do because my dice will always betray me. Yeah, and you can help new players that are, that are either, you know, reticent or they're just not used to gaming. And so if you're, if you're, if you're that reactive GM for especially combat, right, well, I guess we're going to keep this on topic for everything, is they're getting in the fight and they're doing the things. And and I see it in the way I, I ask how, how people kill bad guys or how you deal damage to people. And there are the, the newer gamers or stuff for people who've never been asked it before. They'll do something simple, like you say, like, oh, I shoot shoot the or shoot the orc with uh, the arrow and it hit him. And so if you know they got a raise or they did a little bit extra damage and they, they, they really rolled well, add that to that description for them. And that way you can start kind of handing them that that's that that rope and bringing them in to like, hey, you can do a little bit more as you describe it because they can they'll feed off of whatever you tell them. Like, yeah, that shot was really well placed. And yeah, you did loose the arrow, but you happened to loose at the right time when your breathing dropped and you that caused the arrow to fly true and straight and it ended up as a gut wound. And now that orc is writhing with, you know, <laughs> sepsis beginning to to burn through its body and its intestines. You know, shit like that. I think that helps up new people who aren't really used to it. Yeah. Well I actually um Kind of speaking on to this, I had one Reddit poster guy by the name of Daddy Chainmails. Um, awesome name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and he, his suggestion was actually just like, let players do whatever the hell they want, period. Truly, sure, limit their special powers, magic, but encourage players to explain what they want to do and how they want it to look. Then tell them uh, what to roll. Once yeah. they roll... Have them explain what occurs considering mm-hmm. those successes and failures. It's more fun to encourage the cinematic direction than it is to say, I hit and you miss. Never say you miss, ever. Turn the whole thing into a Jackie mm-hmm. Chan fight. Make it fun. And I think, and it's funny because it kind of goes against a little bit of what you said, where do the roll first and then do this one. He says, Yeah, I just, I completely disagree with it because the dice will fuck you and then your player yeah. fills a fucking like an idiot. Yeah, that yeah. You know, they've wasted their time. So although to to tack onto that though, there was that comment of never say they missed. And true, I agree with that. Yeah. I I think the the great thing about Savage Worlds even is people are like, Well, you don't feel like you're making progress because in D D every hit whittles away hit points. Yeah. Uh Whereas in Savage Worlds, you can hit but not wound. Um instead you shake them and People, I think, forget that that is – they could be bleeding. I mean, that, that could be one of those minor cuts that they yeah. take, and that's why they, they have that momentary, whoa, sort of thing. But yeah. even then, I mean, I, I, I do have a I, – I will say that I will try this a little bit differently now because I have been – well, you totally miss. And if they completely crit fail, maybe they totally miss, but usually they don't because they usually end up hitting their friend <laughs> or, yeah. or something like that. And well, even- Oh man. No, go ahead. I was Sorry. trying to say, even like the last part is just like make the Jackie Chan fight, yeah. like make it a Jackie Chan fight. Yeah. And it's true, whenever you watch that, it's never like they just completely miss. Most of the right. time it's like they hit and it's like a little bit of a block, or it's like, so yeah, yeah. you hit them, but you didn't actually hurt them. And <clears throat> I think what he said is kind of it's a it's it's a good way to kind of almost run your game 
you may not agree with the role, like say what it is then rule, but for some people that might be kind of beneficial because I've said this is what my character wants to do, and then when it doesn't happen, I'm like, well, that's just what he wanted to happen, and then right. I explain uh, how he looked the guy straight in the face, uh, pulled the gun to his head and shot, and then it's like, well, I missed. So then it's like, well, he meant to do that, but what he did is he accidentally hit the guy on the side of the head and shot the bullet, so it just went right past him without even missing because he, he, uh, he didn't judge his distance properly. Yeah, and that's two parts of it, right? The the cinematic nature of combat and making combat fun. I don't know why we keep saying fucking cinematic. Combat fun in general. <laughs> the onus is on the GM for some of that too. You can't just be the GM who you give awesome descriptions of your NPCs and how awesome they you beat the dog piss out of your fucking player characters. But you also want to be that GM is you're either doing the like, well, you you know, you go to you you step in, you you faint to the side and the villain manages to catch your blade. That's fine. But when you want to take it to the next level and I've done this with you guys, um, and hopefully it's perceptible. And I've just always have done this is let you make your roles and be like, okay, awesome. How did you fuck that shot up? Why did you miss? Why did, why did you miss with that sword stab? How did you miss with the bow shot? How did you miss with that garrote attack and give that back to the players to give them more power at the table because that's going to make them more creative as well. And they're like, oh, shit, I, got I can't just think about how I succeed. I think how I fail too now. Yeah. Well, and you just said something that made me think of uh, this entire topic in a, in a slightly different light. And that is you mentioned cinematic versus fun. And I think the reason, I think the reason we keep saying cinematic is because cinematic is the fun, right? Yeah. Yes, there can be tactics within it. But if yeah. a fight, in my opinion, if a fight is purely tactical, Santa, to your point earlier, at that game, I might as well be playing chess, which yeah. isn't fun for me. Yeah. Um, I, I like having some tactics, but I want those tactics to be incorporated into a cinematic overall fight scene. And I think of like, uh, this is going to be going back a while, but you think of um, like Any Which Way But Loose. Yeah. If you've seen those movies, <laughs> you've got the entire last like half hour is just a fist fight between two guys but it's going throughout this entire town yeah. and there are tactics the way they're, the way they're approaching the fight, but the fight itself is so over the top and yep. it's a, it's, it's a fun fight scene yeah. um, between just two guys. But if it wasn't for the cinematic part, the tactics would just be completely dull and boring. Yeah. It'd be a little weird, right? They're just in the arena and that would be it. Yeah. And no Clyde trying to fuck people up. And even kind of like speaking of this, I don't think any of these are mutually exclusive from each other. I think you can really blend all three together in a way to make maybe not everyone happy because based on the system you use, some people might just say it's a little bit too crunchy. But I think you could generally add in, you know, the cinematic to the tactical and to the decisive. And I, In fact, I think decisive and cinematic might actually go hand in hand in mm -hmm. some good chunks of it. Yeah. Um, well, I've seen people flip their shit when you don't put dolls on the table for quite a few games. Savage World, D and D, you know, because it's just like, God damn it, I, my spell works this many inches out, and I need to know how many squares I can go. <laughs> it's funny because I'm a person with a ton of miniatures, yeah, but I play tabletop almost exclusively without. Yeah. <laughs> It's supposed to be a game of imagination, for fuck's sake. Like, my whole thing with miniatures was, is like, I just want to have representation of, like, this is maybe what someone looks like that you're looking at. Yeah. Which is why I use mostly images and shit. 
when I'm at the house now. But yeah, for me, that's always what miniatures were about. Like, this is my cool miniature. I was like, well, let's put it on the table. But like, that's not really necessary. I'm just going to hold it in front of me. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you like, like to caress your dolls rather than. Yes, absolutely. They gotta they gotta stand on top of the D twenty and empower it. Oh, <laughs> look at his shiny armor! Right, right. I painted paint it with Vallejo silver. It's just so I, shiny. I don't, even, I don't even paint the minis. Fuck it. Oh, I love that's that, that's the whole reason why I have minis. I, I you can imagine it. I can imagine it, and all of a sudden, and, and then like I'll 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 show a picture of my Thousand Suns Space Marine, and those are just like. It's not blue. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, yeah, see, it Tell looks me. cool, guys. Tell me it colorblind. Cool. Tell me you're colorblind, and they're they're coming at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I don't know. Can now, we talk about the giving bonuses for good descriptions? Yeah, that's yeah. fucking bullshit. Yeah, uh, go for it. <laughs> does anyone disagree? Does anyone know? Does anyone disagree with that? I just want to know first. Um, I think it kind of re- depends on like like looking at this wushu. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why you want to be descriptive is because the more descriptive you are, like, and it doesn't have to be like a long paragraph, but the more descriptive you are, the better dice you have. Like, uh, the descriptive to who though. That's that's where my problem is. is The GM is now the adjudicator, and well, just as descriptive as him. Why don't I get that? I'll I'll show you what because they actually have an example here. Read it, Uh, and it's it's saying okay to get five points. This is what it could be. Number one, throw my arms open wide. Number two, an automatic pistol pops up in each hand from us. from each hand. Number three, from spring-loaded holsters up my sleeves. Four, I hold down the trigger. And five, I spray them with lead. So it's just five simple descriptors, five different actions all combined into one sentence, essentially. So that's, but that just works for this system because it's literally all built on descriptions what's the max bonus you could have because i'm gonna look for a game of wushu at a convention and just fucking destroy that game five five is five the- well that's fucking pointless yeah it's, it's just i i, I mean, wushu it might be one thing I, st- I still don't think those are great descriptors that's just basically you fucking telling me what you do as a character like yeah. i'm a gunfighter who uses a kimbo spring-loaded weapons right. and that's what i'm known for because it's on my character sheet but i'm gonna tell you every fucking time i get in a fight <laughs> that could not become more goddamn monotonous and time consuming at the table and be like, yeah. yes, we get it. Yes, you're the akimbo fighter with two guns. Let us guess what you're going to do this next round. You know, it's just so. My problem is it goes back to the same old argument I have with people who fucking demand that you play a role playing game and act everything possibly out, even though some people have some social anxiety issues. Some people, you're not a fucking bard. You're not a high charisma person 99% of the time for gamers. Just like you two aren't actual special forces operators. So for me to ask either one of you to go cool description, you might do some cinema shit, but then I could be like, like to, to Finer's point, like, well, that's not really how we do it. So I'm going to dock some points off of that. And then I got the kid who really knows combat, who really is really super smart and has a 130 IQ or better. But they're not. You're playing a wizard. You're playing an operator. You're playing a fucking. You're, you're playing a piece of paper, and that piece of paper becomes your avatar. Yeah. Just act out your avatar. 
it's it's I don't know how much I, I, I cannot stand that shit or like, well, if they're really good at describing things, you can just give them a bonus to the persuasion role. Why? Why the fuck would you do that? Do you want me to go out in the backyard? I'm going to have you do some TRX exercises with me and shit or fucking deadlift some things to give you a bonus to fucking Ben Barr's lift gates. No, that's dumb as shit. You know it and I know it. But people still insist on this fucking myopic viewpoint that you're somehow smarter, better, stronger, faster. You're not. You're, you're playing a character for a reason. Let the game mechanics be the mechanics and just flow everything else. Jesus Christ, people. I will totally go out and do TRX exercises. This <laughs> <laughs> is mind numbing. You're because you're on top of the you're 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 giving someone a bonus for being a good describer or an avid reader or an avid movie watcher. Yeah. But you're penalizing your players who are just sitting there because they have social anxiety disorders or they have other issues. They don't watch action movies or this isn't the genre they really want to play. But yeah. now they're going to get fucked. And I'm just it's such bullshit. <laughs> I, I I don't disagree. I, uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, even though I may be able to come up with good descriptions, sometimes I just don't have the energy for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to try and defend Wushu. <laughs> so Wushu is Wushu, but this is about combat in general. And yeah. I hear I hear this fucking issue of from for every goddamn game imaginable. Is just get a good description. You get good bonuses. Man, fuck that. No, okay. In, in most 99.9% of RPGs, I am a hundred percent agreeing with you. In fact, I think it was an earlier earlier episode that we did one of our first ones. You you kind of schooled me on it, and after that, I was like, "Shit, he's kind of right." Actually, I forget which episode it was, but you we actually talked about this very specific point before. Maybe yeah. it was on private, but yeah, you, you kind of. <laughs> I, I don't remember it. We we talk way too much, guys. Um, but yeah, I just remember having this and you're like, no, and I'll tell you why. And I know for the fact that you said, and I'll tell you why, because I think you said I'm here today. Um, and I agree with you for the most part that, yeah, you shouldn't give bonuses for, uh, for doing creative like ideas. Cause the people who don't have like, let's say, you know, that quick witted creativeness that yeah. like, some people have they're going to feel left out and they're going to automatically feel like the game sucks more yep just because of it so i agree because and not to use this word but at the table <laughs> table you do want you don't want it you want it to be in inclusive you want no, it's, everyone not to feel, it's not a bad word i know i know it's not a bad <laughs> word it, it's just like you want people to feel inclusive yes. you want everyone to feel like what they're doing <laughs> is totally fine and in that sense, yeah, I agree. It yeah. should not ever give bonuses just because some players are way more outgoing than others. So I think that's actually one of the negatives to cinematic is it can put down people who don't really have as quick-witted of an imagination. But I think that's where Scott's going with, with yeah. the you can help people as well. I mean, especially new players. New players, especially if they're new to the group, don't know the group dynamics. They yeah. don't necessarily know the personalities at the table. Um, and a lot of times, even though I can be extremely extroverted, when I'm with a new group of people, I tend to go more reserved until I understand how those people think mm -hmm. and how they react. Because I don't want to go in and uh, completely offend everybody or whatever. And so I, I want to understand the group. 
Um, and that's not just gaming. I mean, that's, that's like my entire life when I have to go to a new work meeting or whatever. I like to get a feel for the group before I totally go full on extrovert. So at the game table, the GM can play that role of helping them see, here's how you can describe your, your stuff. You don't have to. And as a GM, I'm happy to describe it for you if you don't. Um, but empowering them to feel like they can describe things cinematically, I think. And again, here I'm using cinematic <laughs> synonymously with fun because that's the fun combat. I mean, <laughs> according to yeah. us, we're no. I am right in this. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say he's not wrong because. Man, nothing is more boring. You start breaking miniatures down and be like, I gotta know where I am. I'm like, bro, can we just fucking yeah. just, just play Warhammer? I know it's what you want to do. No, no, no. I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I know you don't. I know you don't. You want to count squares. And every time you move, you count fucking how many fucking squares they are. And you know you can look at the goddamn map and just know where you're going to be. Oh, yep. well, you know, I will say that brings up an interesting topic. And that is because I do like to play Savage Worlds with the tokens and the battle maps. But the way that players can contribute now is by thinking about what they're doing ahead of time. If yes. they know that they want to yeah. go here, you can pre-count before yeah, you what? get to your turn. What? Yeah, next you'll tell me you can also look your fucking powers up and know how the fuck they oh, work. No. That's completely forbidden. You can't. You cannot do that. That's a whole different topic. What do you mean, Firebolt and Fireball aren't the same thing? Look at next. Okay, here's another topic title. It's your fucking turn. We'll come back. No, Finder, you. Nothing rubs me more fucking raw than than fucking. It's you're not ready to table. Than this goddamn. Than the goddamn. Just, just description, bro. So. <laughs> So positively, I would say that if you're a player, encourage the other players. Yeah. yeah. Right? Don't do not do shit for them because that's the douchebag fucking way of this. But like um, it kind of goes with another thing I have. Like celebrate the kills, right, or the successes. But since it's combat, it, it's the, the victory. You know, when someone kills a, a, an enemy or they take them down, celebrate that, especially the GM. Make that awesome. Just like when a Joker is drawn in Savage Worlds or some, you know, someone throws a Benny out, they get the raises. You got to celebrate those little moments. And then as a player, you can help encourage other players to celebrate those little moments, especially if you have someone new on board and really bring them into the fold of like, oh, these people are out of their mind. But this is actually kind of cool and really addicting. Yeah. So and I think that will help too. And that really just starts getting everyone to grow. Well, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. And. Since we've already kind of brought it up. <laughs> this episode is going to be the worst reviewed ever. Everyone hates us now. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next statement. Combat can be tactical. It can be or cannot be? It can be. Of course, it's combat. Yeah. Every fight um, is involving tactics and strategies. Yes. And I think in this case, like you can do tactical as cinematic or you can do it with the playing with dolls approach um you know like a la dnd a la pathfinder yeah you, know? you don't even need dolls in those games but man yeah. people are really people are really gonna hate the fucking playing with dolls yeah i know we keep on saying playing with dolls and like it is what it is i have i told you i've got all this i've got all the cyberpunk dolls yeah you should you should see his my little <laughs> pony collection it's huge while you're but, bullshitting <laughs> I'm looking, i've got i've got 
I do have I do have the stuff to buy uh, buy corn from uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland sitting on the shelf. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's any consolation, I my buddy for Christmas got my significant other actually uh, My Little Pony mug, like coffee mug, nice. and I use it all the time. There you go. Hey, my Little Pony is one of the earliest Savage Worlds adaptations, fan fan conversions. It's a fucking little little historical note. I, I, I hmm. absolutely it was interesting. I'm not. Yep. I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm not arguing with you on that one. It's just, um, I wasn't <laughs> expecting real. that. I really wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's real. It was early uh, proof of concept that Savage Worlds literally can do anything, hmm. and people just started doing crazy shit. I actually played in the My Little Pony game. It's pretty good. A Savage Savage. My Little Savage Pony. <laughs> it was pretty good. Oh, I love that name. So I'm not My Little Pony. My Little Pony. I'm not a My Little Pony pony, but yeah, I, I, you know. you're not. But, a, you're not a pony, bro. Right, but bro, you know, yeah. I think. To, but to your point is, yeah, and that's the thing I say. Like, you can't capture everything in a in a room or a battlefield, and that does kind of require everyone to. Ah, man, there's a really split like. Asking the question, like, is there a rock I can hide behind? Or, like, I don't get mad, but there are people who get big bitch mad <laughs> if it's just like, I take cover behind the rock and be like, I didn't say there was a rock. There's no rock. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, what do you care? Oh my God. There's, there's shit in the game. Like you said, the tactics side of the house, right? Taking cover, firing through obstacles, holding up a body so they can act as an obstacle for you. I mean, there's all these little things that I think people tend to forget yeah. well, uh, when they're gaming. I had another guy on Reddit. I also got people on Twitter, by the way. It's just, you know, it's just how the topics are coming up. Uh, who put this, and I think it can work well for both tactical, but also in a cinematic kind of, uh, really, actually, I think in pretty much any kind of combat. Uh, by, his name is Carlings Are People Too. Um, Hopefully that's nothing offensive. I have no idea what a carling is. <laughs> Just keep reading out user uh, names and ships. <laughs> We're going to break you this habit. Yeah. yeah, maybe I should. But uh, yeah. I like to give my players stuff to interact with besides the enemies. Uh, usually multiple things, many of which still never be used, but creative players might be able to find some interesting uses for them. Might be nearby fast-flowing river, waterfall, some large object that can be uh, in a, that are fitting for the location, aka like large dead trees or something easy to knock down. Uh, I do not force my players to use these objects to win the fight, and I do not nudge them in the direction. But having yeah. having kind of those small arena fights, like arena he used in parentheses, uh, just to give them opportunities to be a little more creative with their surroundings, I think that would probably be... I think for tactical wise, that is such a good idea to kind of break up the monotony of I move here and I attack until it's dead. And then I move mm -hmm. to another. Yeah, sure. Now I will say um, what I like about that. And this is one of the problems of playing with dolls. <laughs> and that is when I have my tokens on the battle map, People tend to think that they aren't moving around, even though the book yes. like Savage Worlds says yeah. they yes. are moving around, but they never leave those two squares because they're engaged in melee. Yeah, and even uh, with with theater of the mind, this is where one of the really big strengths is, especially if you can get the GM to be on board. Is you know what you think of the Princess uh, Bride fight between yeah. Inigo Montoya and um, Good Pirate Roberts, right, Wesley. Mm -hmm. 
where they're they're bouncing around this cliff, yeah, uh, or, or right on the precipice of that cliff, and they're moving around that area. And there are so many times when it's like I want to get this bad guy to the edge of the cliff so I can kick him over. Yeah. And a lot of times GMs don't allow that because, well, that guy's not going to move there. So, or, or you have to do this one thing to push him back, but then it's his turn. So he just moves away from the cliff edge again. And so that that's the uh, – I, I do like theater of the mind, especially if you can get the GM on board to let you, in your mind, move or position bad guys to places. Yeah, here is something that's going to be heretical, and I don't care, Arrow especially speed. for the Savage Worlds community. You don't always have to use combat to do something like that. In yeah. fact, I don't think the fight between uh, Inigo and Wesley is a combat. I think it's a dramatic task or a social combat. I'd go social combat. I agree yeah. with you on that. Right? Think outside the box when you're doing this kind of shit. Well, I, I think that, that, that's a great point. And I, I don't know if that's heretical to Savage Worlds. I think it's making it, it's something that as a Savage Worlds player and a Savage Worlds GM – we do need to think about. I, I had a, there's a lot of mechanics that are provided that can be used in unique and creative ways. Dramatic tasks are awesome. And that's, to me, um, I ended up using a dramatic task as a overland travel thing, because so many times, even in d and I've got like one DM who he loves overland travel. And it's like, Okay, you've traveled one day. You're in your camping, and I need you guys to make wash rolls. And here's oh a random God. encounter. Fucking and those me. are, yeah. I, I, I'm like, <laughs> can we just get from point A to point B? And if you want stuff to happen in between, that's great. But every single day, rolling for a random encounter. And then yeah. I, I told him one time, like, guys, how many times do you go camping and set up a watch? <laughs> well. <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of funny because like I've definitely played in campaigns where it's like that, and I kind of look at it as almost like kind of like filler or the fact that they think that it's they're expected to do that a little bit. Yeah, and like because if you think about it, if you have a combat heavy game where you have a narrative but the narrative kind of moves on slowly, it it's almost like watching a bunch. It's like watching that. I don't know if you guys ever watched Dragon Ball Z. But it's like watching Goku power up for three fucking episodes to throw the goddamn uh, <laughs> what is it, that giant orb. I forget what it's called now. People are yeah. going to call me out for this. And it just, yeah, but he, he's literally charging up for three entire episodes. And as a kid, each one of those episodes is 22 minutes. That might as well be three years. Yeah, I hated I have, I, that. Yeah. It's just, yeah, but you, I think you're right. Some people expect it and then. Some people have problem players like you who think as the more you roll dice, the funner you're having. <laughs> I love rolling dice. You can't tell me that rolling dice ain't fun. Find a roll some dice no, right Every now. game I design is player-facing. I give a fuck if I roll dice ever again. Yeah, well, as, as a GM, I don't think like I'm going to be going as going to be going into a game. Yeah, right. I don't really want to roll too many dice. I know I'll have to roll some, but I'm yeah. kind of wanting the players to do a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, is it what it is? I don't know, man. But yeah, that's that's crazy, dude. That's so mind numbing. That's so mind numbing. And instead, you could just dude could have just pre planned what he's rolled to do the checks, and then have the cool skill checks to facilitate. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many other ways of doing it. So many better ways of doing it. Just, oh my Christ. Well, you know, if you're going to do that, though, at least do it in a way that usually 
And I thought Desert of Desolation did this very well. Most of your random encounter rolls resulted in no encounter. Yeah. The world is huge. Just like I real mean, life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I have camped in the Smoky Mountains. And there are black bears in the Smoky Mountains. And we never set a watch. And we never had a bear attack our camp. Yeah. But what about and, a dragon? What about a dragon? <laughs> yeah. Well, we were attacked by a dragon once. But yeah. we were totally caught by surprise because we didn't have a watch. And dragon, a lot yeah. of those Boy Scouts didn't make it out. Sad to say. But but I mean really, that, that's God, God damn is that true? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. Maybe 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 random encounters now make sense. I know because you, you even had that pause and there was like that moment yeah. of like, is he is he playing this off a real life experience? I don't know at this moment. I will say I have really camped in the Smoky Mountains. I have never experienced a bear attack. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, uh, in, in playing D&D, I have had a week-long journey with seven different encounters every single night. Good God in heaven. It's like, oh my goodness. I know. How, did, how, yeah. does Mar- how does how At that point, I'm pretty sure a lot of places, the economies would cripple to the ground. The fact that you need hardened adventurers just to travel from one place to another. It's like merchants, they're screwed. Yeah, you know, like not. Yeah, that's the thing too. So with combat, make them make the encounters make sense, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. the encounter has to make sense. I'm not saying you can't have weird shit, but if you can have something weird, make it make sense. Uh, yeah, there's an old Dragon Magazine article, and they were trying to explain this to people because a player got real pissed off. I think it was at Gygix or Arneson or one of them because they're in this thick ass jungle and they got attacked by a rock. So for people who aren't familiar, rock ROC is a giant ass bird from uh, uh, Arabic or uh, Arabian uh, mythology. Yeah. So this bird is like the size of an elephant or so, right? And they, it's the, bigger because the, they can carry off an elephant. So, so again, the player is like, so wait a minute, you mean this big fucking bird that would require X number of pounds of flesh because you said it was a raptor, you know, it's a bird of prey. So it has to do this. It's going to swoop over a jungle canopy with it that it can't get into. It can't dive into. And yet here, you know, it was like this whole thing. It was like, in the, but the article was like, this player's a pain in the ass. Like, Actually, your player is smarter than you are. <laughs> pointing out that your shit was dumb and yeah. you had a bad encounter because you wanted, you had to, you found the cool monster of the day and you wanted them to, to try to fight it or get one over on them. By all means do that, but make it make sense for God's sakes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, actually, one of the guys on Twitter, he told me to uh, check out, it was an article, um, or read The Monster Knows What They're Doing by yes, Keith Amon. Yep, I have those books. Yeah. They're really good. There's a blog, actually, so you can get a lot of the information from the blog yep. by, the, by the same name, and it just kind of goes into the tactics of how these monsters would think. Um, yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was the dad vantage. I love that name. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> cool books. And use hazards for fuck's sake. Like you guys were alluding to it earlier. You want something fun, like use the environment, fallen trees, rocks, all the things. Catch some shit on fire. Because if you've never been inside of a fire, and thanks to the military, I've had to actually learn how to put fires out. Let me tell you about smoke inhalation and heat. <laughs> that shit will wear you down. And so if you want to have fun, drop a hazard in there. 
put a pool of lava. Make the floor is lava. Play that game when you're in the middle of a fight, and the floor is now sinking lava. Uh, make it make sense, but if you throw these hazards, you make the environment living, and so it just becomes player, you know, characters versus enemy and characters now versus the environment trying to survive. And now you can also help. Um, I think too many times every combat has to end and no one runs away. But if you start putting hazards in there, then you have time limits on things and someone has to, you're not going to fight to the death. Normally someone's going to have to do something. Um, yeah. You know, that time limits thing is something that um, I think can be a lot of fun. It, 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 I will say it puts a lot of onus on the GM yeah. to keep track of things and to make sure that the players are aware of how much time has expired. And right now with my kids, I'm playing that Coriolis game and they're on the ship that's headed towards an asteroid. They dock with that ship and it is an hour out from like really being bombarded by asteroids. Oh shit. And so the fun part has been, they need to explore the ship. One, the ship has no power. So they have to, spend time to go and restore power. Then they have to get from one end of the ship. And this is a kilometer long ship. So they have to go from one end to the other ship or to the other end. Um, And just ticking down the time for them. And now they're flying to the point where they're on the perimeter of the asteroid thing. The ship has already been bombarded twice by huge asteroids that have caused explosive decompression in a couple sections of the ship. And they're having to contend with a group of pirates and they're having to contend with the main bad guy um, of the adventure. And all these things are coming together and it's causing a lot of uh, excitement. It's really hard for me as a GM to like control it all, but yeah. it's been a lot of fun uh, to play out this adventure. And <laughs> that time limit is has been key to a lot of that because the players keep asking, how much time do we have left? How much time do we have left? Yeah. And, you know, even when we talk about tactical, I think most of it doesn't even happen during the combat. Like, how many times have, like, you, Scott, just witnessed this, or Finer, how many times have you actually played this, where the battle takes, like, something like five minutes, but you are deciding and talking about how you should approach it for the last <laughs> 30 minutes. Like, that is some shit that every table has. Like, yeah. I've done it. We, God, yeah. I'm pretty sure in our... Uh, was it in our cyberpunk red game i'm pretty sure because you guys convinced me of having morality we're going to get killed by two major <laughs> gangs like <laughs> well what's funny is we are the least moral people and he's the he's the most moral yeah because there's like yeah. humanity or whatever my guy has the highest and i'm just like no we were hired to move this car and they're like yeah but we weren't hired to bring over a kidnapped person and then finally we got him out and then he's like okay we 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 got to get him out of the city we've got know some smugglers and the guy has five thousand in cash and we're going to go pick him up and my first thought was you know we could just kill him and pretend we never saw him we get five thousand dollars from it and apparently that makes me the bad guy <laughs> And I've never seen you guys get uh, like analysis, analysis paralysis when I run combat, when I'm running you guys through combats. No, Even no, in Raven, say, it moves smooth. You guys move fast as fuck in that, that first <laughs> round of encounters. You got bodies dropping all over the place with well-played well, well shots. Now, I will say, though, that <laughs> that can also be an artifact of the system that you're playing, right? Yeah. In, yeah, D&D, in D&D, I find that I'm less tactical. Because I, I know how many power or how many hit points I have, 
Yeah, and sure. Yeah. If I've got a lot, I can just charge in. I don't have to think about things. I, I can totally Leroy Jenkins that. Oh, and yeah. Savage Worlds, I'm a little bit more hesitant, but not as <laughs> hesitant because I know I've got bennies. Unless I look at my Benny pool, I'm like, oh man, I've only got like one Benny for this yeah. combat. I better play it a little bit safe or do some crazy stuff so I can get some Bennies awarded to me in this combat. But then like with Cyberpunk Red or um, even Tiny Dungeons where you don't get a reroll and you have very few hit points and combat is completely deadly, those ones make me think a little bit more about, okay, do I really want to get into this combat or not? And I think I think you're kind of hitting on hitting the nail on the head on this one. I think for tactical, even on the board, the way how to make that one more entertaining in my eyes is always make sure that you're not just going in there and you know you're going to murder kill like murder everything. D and D I five E I found so damn boring because the chances <laughs> of you surviving even a high level adventure was you're almost guaranteed. Yeah, you need to have some sort of stake, and it doesn't necessarily always need to be your life. Like Finder was saying, with the time where you have, like, you know, the timed event where shit's going on, so you guys got to kind of do this quickly. Well, or in let's say mother mothership, where you know you you want to fight this thing, okay, have fun, but you're gonna die, and so that puts those stakes in there, which make those tactics feel so much more. What's the word I'm looking for? It just makes them feel so much more real and makes it feel a lot more. And I know you hate this word, but you say it immersive. God damn it. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm I mean? Tracking, like, I'm tracking, yeah. when there's something at stake, people will automatically care more about it. Yeah. When there's nothing at stake, people will, that's when you see people dicking around at the table, when they're just talking amongst themselves, when another person's turn, and they're completely missing, and then when it's their turn, they're like, oh, sorry, what's happening? It's like, yeah, this is the third fucking time that you've see? done this, this is, and this is the third round of combat. There's that topic again. It's your fucking turn. It's your fucking turn. <laughs> yeah, well, you're yeah. not, you're, you're, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, um, to that point, there's uh, there are Different styles of combat as well. And I know we brought that up already a little bit. Like uh, we were talking about that fight between Inigo and, and Wesley. Yeah. Um, is that really combat or is that a dramatic task or is that a social combat sort of thing? Um, and and you can approach combat differently. Mm-hmm. Last night, uh, not last night, um, Friday night, I was in a game of Deadlands. My my buddy was roughing it. My character's a pacifist. Uh, and the the core villain had been identified we knew what we had to do it was this indian chief by the name of pale moon he had 15 braids with him <laughs> not in deadlands they they, <laughs> they checked it out but but they, that, that that was the thing and they'd had their picture taken by a spirit camera so they'd become invincible and they had the negative plate uh that had captured their souls which had which had made them invincible ah, cool um and we knew that we had to destroy that plate nice. and that entire combat was a social discussion between my pacifist character and the chief and one of the other players who was translating because my character didn't speak the language so we had the three of us the rest of the party standing around watching us do this negotiation um because as a pacifist i don't want to hurt anybody 
Um, and so I'm trying to convince that chief to give us that plate so that they can we can stop this great evil that's happening. Um, and he doesn't want to, but the other player that's the translator, he he saw that that plate was in the the chief's uh, saddlebags, um, or rather a shoulder bag that he carried on him, and made some uh, social interaction so that I could understand what he was trying to tell me. Um, and the whole combat lasted seriously. It was probably about a, uh, it, was a it was a good th- chunk of time for the discussion. Mm-hmm. But then um, my character apologized and I need him in the shoulder bag. And uh, that started the combat. Two rounds, the thing's broken and we've won the fight. Nice. And it was it was a lot of fun, even yeah. for the party members that weren't there, because we're also looking being surrounded by 15 <laughs> other combatants. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oof. But no, but I mean, fun. yeah, of course. And that's, you know, when you said about cyberpunk, you know, and I used to use this when I was trying to convince people. There's two two deliveries I would give folks to like, why try Savage Worlds? I know everyone's like, fuck Savage Worlds, but it just is what it is. And it's kind of what you said is like, you're in your cyberpunk, your character, you have to choose, is this, is this, is this moment worth my life? Right. Yep. And that's different than like the actual, the analysis paralysis that Santa was talking about when groups would sit around and be like, okay, here's how we're going to open the door. I'm going to stand to the left and then we're going to pull in the handle and we're going to check for, tra-. you know, that very lot, like, well, if, what if, what if, what if the title is trapped? What if this is trapped? And this analysis paralysis before you can get into the fight, um, which is, planning is fine, but yeah, you can drone on for hours. So, I mean, but when you're choosing not to fight, you know, the, the only fight you win is the one you, well, you don't fight, right? That's like a, yeah. a very old saying. Um, but, yeah, but like you said, though, and you get in, you get into it, and that's why I would tell people, you know, like my and you hit on this with Dungeons and Dragons specifically. If I'm a tenth level fighter in D and D, I will literally talk shit to the city guards because those fucking crossbows they have are not going to kill me. In fact, they're probably going to miss, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Savage Worlds, I got four or five city guardsmen pointing at my heroic, you know, leveled character. I'm still going to hesitate. Because any one of those bricks could get a raise and then ace that damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, so there's that. Those those moments, and like you said, some systems just aren't designed for anything beyond what D and D is chess. But that's a different discussion topic yeah. too. Um, yeah, and then like and talk about numbers. Uh, Santa and I had this conversation today. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, for GMs out there and players who want to suggest this, anytime you suggest critical fails. Critical fumbles and critical hits. Remember this: your GM makes about ten times as many rolls as you do. <laughs> you, you do the fucking math. Yeah, because uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yep, yep, a hundred percent. Now, um, I will say though, as a player, I don't mind critical fails because I think they're hilarious when the <laughs> character completely flubs something, um, and. Because I also like critical hits. As a player, I know the GM gets that same benefit. And uh, I, I do, I, I go in knowing that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So many more times. But, but yeah, but I'm okay with that because you know what? I, I've also, having been playing for, now this is one thing to be aware of as well, is I've been gaming since I was like 10 or 15. Yeah. Like somewhere around that age, right? I mean, yeah. it was late 70s, early 80s. 
that I started playing, watching my brothers play and all that. And new players having a character die can be really devastating. So I'm not that guy anymore. To me, my character dies. Great. As long as it's a cool death, I'm okay with that. Um, and it means I get to generate a new character, which is a lot of fun for me anyway. But uh, just be aware that if you that, that is something to, to think about for new players is how is this going to affect them? If it's a new system, that's something else that I've done is with Coriolis, we, we as a group have not played that game before. This is our first time ever playing it. So I also made a rule that's like, okay, guys, we're going to have a first few sessions that are, are safe. Um, and you can decide to tweak your character after, after this period of time once we have some experience with the system because the build that you're making right now may not do what you think it's going to do yeah. in your head because we don't know the system. Um, but I will say that uh, as a GM, truly be careful of choosing that critical hit option. And that's one thing that I do like about Coriolis is – the better I do on damage, I have options. It doesn't have to be necessarily a critical hit. Um, I could just say I'm going to add another extra point of damage to the weapon, or I can say I'm going to go to the critical hit table. And depending on how many additional sixes you get, you can go to the critical hit table multiple times and choose which role you want from those roles. Like if I say I'm going to do the critical hit table three times, I roll three critical hits, and then I decide which one of those three I'm going to go with. As a GM, you may want to be careful of that because the first time I decided I was going to go to the critical critical hit table, it was an insta-kill critical hit. I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that because (laughs) we're still learning the system, so I'm going to back that out. But as a GM, I'm like, oh, crap, i got to be careful with that table. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) So was it... um... Just because we're hanging an hour and a five, I think I'm going to just are. move us to the next one. Wow, we've actually been flying through these episodes lately. Have we? Well, I meant like conversation-wise. We, oh, okay. Yeah, they've been good. I mean, we don't plan the shit. So no, we, just, we really yeah. don't. I usually just have like a loose script and then just kind of go from there. Uh, so combat can be decisive. Um, generally focusing on a larger, larger strategic decision rather than the minutia of combat is accomplished. Ah, I think I see like take out the leader immediately kind of thing or yeah. fight your way into a certain better position, like get to a door, close it, raise the drawbridge, close yeah. a portcullis. Exactly. And like okay. we, we originally kind of thought of it as kind of like wargaming. I did too, since I, I do have a little bit of wargaming experience myself, but really it kind of, it could even be something along the lines of it's like, okay, we need to take out. I'm just going to go to fantasy. These trebuchets <laughs> behind enemy lines because they're going to hammer our wall and open up a massive gap. So we have to send out X amount of people, and your squad could be part of that. That is still a very decisive combat because, or a decisive kind of like combat goal. Like it doesn't even have to be straight tactical tabletop thing. You guys need to get behind enemy lines or else the city's going to almost completely fall. So I think decisive honestly works well with cinematic or tactical and in fact probably puts more stakes in it just like Finder's Timer yeah. where I, I, I kind of feel like we've already kind of discussed this without actually talking about it to be honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you gave us all you gave everything up front and we just sort of tore into it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I still feel, though, that Decisive, in Savage World's terms, is more of a mass battle. Because what you just yeah. described, uh, Santa, is I've got this mass battle, and I have, as the commander of the quote-unquote army, you've got a character who has the battle skill, and they're the ones making the role. But you can tell the GM, okay, we are going to dispatch yeah. um, a, a group of soldiers to go take out those trebuchets, and that may give me a plus one on my battle roll. Yep. Um, and so I still see the decisive yeah. in my mind is still more of a mass battle. Uh, depending on the system, the characters may have, it, it may be played out differently, yeah. but that's where I, I still think Savage Worlds is, shines is you've got that mechanic that makes it quicker and a little bit easier without yeah. having to dive into the, cause I mean, if you're going after, if you're going after trebuchets, one, you're going to have to play through an entire battlefield, and those trebuchets are not going to be unguarded. No, no, and like, but like, I was just kind of using that as an example. I think yeah. really what decisive kind of means is that when you do combat, it really does matter about how you accomplish it and how quickly or how it gets done. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not. Lo I'm looking at it from a straight like roleplay version versus a uh, war game and this stakes because i can de definitely see how decisive works where the players deciding how they should approach this combat can decide the fate of something way larger okay so do me a favor reread sure. that tweet or, or that <laughs> that post reread that because i want to hear the language Just generally focusing on a larger no 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 read the entire thing oh uh combat wait even including the cinematic part yeah, yeah. Combat can be cinematic. No, can... no, 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 no. <laughs> God damn it. I, I, I thought you said something like there's three types of combat. Yes. Um, that, that's the three different too. philosophies. Yeah. Philosophy. Okay. See, and for me, I would change the word philosophies to aspects. And if you say if you say there are three different aspects to combat, then I agree. But when I hear three different philosophies, those are three different types in my mind. Right. Yeah. That you yeah. have cinematic, you have tactical, you have decisive. But if there's three different aspects, then yes. all three of them play together. And I can see what you're saying because there are times, even when I'm doing a cinematic battle, playing with my dolls, we can say, <laughs> you know what? We need to go take that thing out. And the players will do that. Yeah. You know, um, I, think, I think we accidentally recorded the playing with my dolls ep uh, episode that we've been talking about for a while. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. It's not bad. It's just there's there's nuances to it. I think there's a discussion yeah. point for people who do it and do it. But yeah, I mean, and if you don't play a game, if you don't play Savage Worlds, you know, or if you're playing D and D or whatever, I would I would even do this shit like that as uh, as quick encounters. Just pick a skill or attributes that are that are useful. On hey, the player characters we're gonna sneak in, yeah, you know, to take care of this trebuchet. Okay, cool. Let's have a like a skill challenge of sorts for D and D terms. Yeah. and do this and let's then we'll narrate kind of how it happens and if you fail then maybe you have to actually then you're caught behind enemy lines and we'll have a, a no shit combat you know or something else happens i mean there's yeah but you're right there's a ways of, of really getting through to that yeah now the other thing that i will mention is since we're talking about the fun aspect using your players actions against them is also a lot of fun yes and, and what i mean by that is i, I was gming a game um, and the players had an objective and they needed to get this Humvee and they came up with this plan on how they're going to do that. They executed their plan 
flawlessly. They, they got to the Humvee very easily. Um, then the next leg, they had to go do this other thing. And then the enemies used their exact same tactics against them. They're like, oh, shit. They, they can do that? Like, why not? They're not idiots either, guys. <laughs> uh, so it was just like, I mean, the, the, the reaction, the player's reaction was a lot of fun when they realized they're using our tactics against us. I'm like, yeah, you guys had a good plan. <laughs> so why, why wouldn't they copy you? <laughs> 100% true of that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Finder, what did we learn today? <laughs> that there are three aspects to combat. <laughs> got a dick. <laughs> son of I a bitch. I, I, I got to look back to see if he used the word philosophies or not. I think he used the word philosophies, but I may have been wrong. And if I misquoted you there, Whatever. John Beck, my bad. Let us know when you rage quit the show. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he would have already rage quit by now. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. We'll never know. Yeah, my bad. Wait till the episode comes out Monday. Yep. If it's the topic I think it is. Uh, oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because I'm moving that ahead because uh, it was a lot of fun and I want to release it. Oh man. Um, yeah. But yeah, anything else, Finder, or is it pretty much just philo- aspects, not philosophies? <laughs> well, I, I would say the other thing is get the players engaged and don't don't poo poo their descriptions. Let I mean, you're there to have fun. So if the players are engaged and they're creating what they think are fun combat scenes, uh, it's okay to go with the flow. You can rein things in when you need to, but basically just let everybody have the fun that they want to have. Yeah. What about you, Scott? You got any uh, final advice? No, man. Yeah, it's all perfect. Yeah, that really is perfect. Get the players engaged completely. It's just yep. a fucking game. It's also, just a game. I think another one is read the room. Because you might have a group yeah. of like me and well, of finders and Santas out there who love to be cinematic and creative, but you might find people who are just more wanting to play a traditional game of D&D. Just read the room. Yeah, true. And you can then you can train them not to want to play a traditional game of TNT. Exactly. That's why with my with my group, they're all new players. I am teaching them how not to play D&D. By not playing D&D. That's exactly. Um, also, want to say if anyone wants to check out because I know I've talked about it quite a bit. Wushu. It's on uh, Drive Through RPG and it's pay what you want. So you know, no harm in trying it. And if you like it, then you can throw them a few bucks. You can tell us how wrong we are. Yeah. Well, you, wrong you guys are. I like it. <laughs> but I look at it. <laughs> I'm holding... I'm man. I'm, I'm uh, no, nope, yeah. I'm holding my tongue. No, I'll, I was going to no, say, I'll, just send it, I'll send it to you. That's all. No, I don't want it. I think I have it, actually. I just... Oh. I was going to make a joke, but... No, no. Go for it. Nope. <laughs> nope. All right. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. If you like this episode, please let me know by emailing me at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com or commenting on this episode on on Podbean. If you hated this episode, let me know on Twitter (laughs) at rpsmartpeople. Uh, I'm going to ask a question once a week on Saturday and answer the question if you would like to, and maybe I'll feature it on that week's uh, recording. Uh, Also, heads up, we record a little bit in advance, so if you don't hear it the week after, it's coming out. Don't worry. Eventually, maybe. Um, 
also we're a tiny podcast so if you have a friend who you think would enjoy our content let them know and you know just don't be a dick about it <laughs> <laughs> don't push it too hard it'll make like them want to yeah. I joined the Patreon. We don't have a Patreon. Join like the Patreon. If we, got, if we got subscriptions. Our Patreon's only $82 a month, Our, our podcast <laughs> is under attack. <laughs> uh, I think what you meant is don't be a dick about it because the hosts are dick enough. Yeah. 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 We're not. We're actually, honest. Yeah. I actually had a different line for it, but I'll save that for the next one. That's funny. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, well, anyways, guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, maybe we taught you something, or maybe we're just more of dicks to you now. Who knows? Well, anyways, maybe we'll see you next week. See you next time. Mm-hmm.